Welcome to Wyoming Valley Church's podcast with Pastor Todd Walker. Greetings to everybody. I hope everyone's doing well out there today. We want to talk about this idea of living for truth versus living for vanity. And this past Sunday, we looked at the book of Ecclesiastes. Pastor Mel spoke to us, and Ecclesiastes is one of the greatest books you can read in the Bible because it's one message all the way through the book. And you really get the point of it just by reading it. You don't really have to study it too much to get an understanding for what this book is about. It's basically a king, his name is Solomon, writing and telling us that there's all sorts of worthless things to live for. And he knows this because he tried it. He lived for sin. He lived for pleasure. He lived for wisdom. He lived for success. He lived for hobbies. He lived for anything and everything you could have. Education. But it all left him feeling void and empty. And he says this verse to us at the end of Ecclesiastes. Basically, after telling us 12 chapters worth of things that are useless to live for, what he terms a striving or a chasing after the wind, he says this in the very last two verses of the entire book of Ecclesiastes. He says, The end of the matter has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. What we want to talk about today is is the tragedy of neglecting verity, truth, for the sake of vanity, worthlessness. You can read the book of Ecclesiastes and understand that King Solomon is the writer of this book, and and he's got a really powerful message for us, that he's tasted everything that the world had to offer, he lived for it, he chased it, he attained most of it, and he said it let him down, it was worthless, it was void, it it was vanity, a striving after the wind, and And he says this in the last two verses, saying, man, the whole duty of man is to fear God and keep his commandments. And it sounds like a really great story of a man who sort of came to a conclusion of what was right and what was good and then walked in that truth for the last period of his life. And it's one of those, you know, cleaned up testimonies we all like to hear. I was this, the gospel came into my heart and I became this and I walked in that for the rest of my life. But really, that's not the story of King Solomon. King Solomon is also the author of a lot of Proverbs, and he wrote the book Song of Songs, they believe, the Song of Solomon. And you would, if you look at just a very shallow glance at King Solomon, you would think, man, what a godly guy this guy turned out to be. But the more you dig into King Solomon's life, the more you find out that his entire life, ironically, was vanity, was worthlessness. Because even though Solomon knew the truth, he had trouble walking in that truth. And that's what we want to talk about today is the tragedy of neglecting verity or truth for the sake of vanity, worthlessness. And King Solomon's story has a really severe, solemn warning for us to not live that way because there's two kinds of vanity or worthlessness. There's there's two kinds. There's a kind that's ignorance to the truth and there's a kind that is willful disobedience to the truth. And one side is very easy to explore. And there's, there's really one set of treatment, I would say, uh, antidote to the one group. The one group that is living in ignorance, they simply need the truth. Or we're going to call it the gospel. 
if someone doesn't know God and doesn't know his truth and is living in darkness and living for vain things and they don't know any better, it's really simple what those people need. They need to hear about the life-changing gospel of truth because that truth can open their eyes, can show them what is right, what is wrong, can show them that there's forgiveness and life in Jesus Christ and that person can become a new creature and they can start to walk on the proper path. And that's what should be happening for those who are ignorant of the gospel. We should be going, we should be sending people to the four corners of the world to let them know that there is truth, there is a God, he is loving, he is merciful, he did send his son to die for you, he wants you to have a relationship with him, he wants you to be with him for the rest of eternity. That's the, that's the solution for the first group. And it's hard because that takes a lot of work and those people have to respond to that, but it's simple. It's a simple one-step process. Take the gospel, take the truth to the people that don't know it and shine that light as brightly as you can. And that's what should be happening to the first group. The second group, however, is a lot more complicated because the second group are people that know there's truth, that know of the truth, but they're not walking in that truth. And that's what King Solomon represents to us. If you know anything about King Solomon's life, it's sort of, sort of a roller coaster with God. You know, so sort of up one moment and down the next. And if you dig into his life, he's got some really bad things, really bad things that represented his life. I mean, he was basically obsessed with women. He couldn't say no to his desires for women. He had like 700 wives and 300 concubines, which basically were just women who slept with him. And so he had a thousand women that he had at his disposal. And he was, you know, basically getting as much pleasure as he could from those women. And those women, as if that wasn't bad enough, actually turned his heart against God. He was so in tune to his pleasures and his desires that he turned his heart from God. And this guy was a king. He was the king of Israel. We're not talking about just some tragic character living on the streets, no real influence, just kind of living for drugs and sex. No, we're not talking about that. We're talking about the king. And we're talking about King David's son. I mean, any way you slice it, King Solomon's story is tragic because he did know better. He came from better roots. He knew the truth. This guy was maybe the wisest person that lived upon earth if you're just factoring in human knowledge, human wisdom. There may have been no one wiser than Solomon who ever lived, maybe. And that's what makes this story so tragic. Because Solomon, you can tell by reading the book of Ecclesiastes, he knows better. He knows what's right. He knows what's wrong. This man is not ignorant of the truth. This man is not walking in darkness just because he doesn't know better. This person knows what is right, and he's telling other people. <laughs> and this guy represents something that's sort of scary for a pastor, for myself, because he's telling other people how to live. But he himself doesn't live in it. And he represents somebody that is squandering or neglecting verity for the sake of vanity. He knows that chasing after women and idols is vanity, is striving after the wind, he calls it, like trying to catch the wind and, and secure the wind. That's basically what he calls chasing after anything that isn't God. And then he says that the last part of Ecclesiastes, the whole duty of man is to fear God and keep his commandments because God's going to bring every secret thought to, know, to knowledge in the last day and he's going to be judged by those things. And Solomon's, I know, over here is vanity and over here is verity. 
The problem is, is that Solomon didn't choose right. He didn't live properly. You see, when we come to the end of Solomon's life, it doesn't get any better. In fact, it gets much worse. He basically ruins the entire, I could say, the nation of Israel because the nation of Israel was unified under King Solomon. And after Solomon, it was divided. You know, his son came in and his son was given like one tribe just because of how good David was. And his son was a mess because, you know, Solomon was a mess. And so this just can, began to trickle on down the line. And the mess just continued because Solomon went so astray. He went so contrary to what his dad did, what his father did, what he knew to be best. And so he basically split an entire nation because of his inability, incapability, refusal even, to walk in truth. And that's what I want to talk about today. Because if King Solomon would have a gravestone like many of us do when we die, um, you know, you've seen gravestones and it has the year you were born and then it has the year you were you die. And then in the middle, there's like this dash. And it's a really sort of simplistic, sad um, representation of your life because it's just a dash. But that dash represents your life. It represents what you did from the day you were born, from the day till the day you die. That dash represents your legacy. And we're all right now building our legacy. Every single day we're building something. We're working on this legacy. Whether we want to or not, whether we know it or not, we are all right now building our legacy. We're building that dash. And two legacies. There are two legacies. There's one that's going to live on the earth for a short amount of time. People will remember us. When that name is brought up, they'll go, oh, yeah, remember that guy? This is what he was about. I remember just a few months ago when Kobe Bryant died. It was really tragic in the sports world and even the pop culture world because Kobe Bryant was a big was a big deal and he was young when he died. And I remember that for, for a week or a month being everything, the only thing anyone could talk about until the coronavirus came, of course. And, and so everyone was talking about Kobe Bryant and his legacy and, you know, how sad it was and how it affected so many people. And, you know, and then life kind of got on and, you know, the coronavirus came and now we're talking about new things. And, and that legacy of Kobe Bryant's, it lived on and, and it's going to live on for a little bit longer. And, you know, when his name is brought up, people will remember him and they'll talk about how great a basketball player he was and everything else. To my knowledge, Kobe Bryant wasn't a Christian, but I'm just using that as an illustration of someone who left a legacy in his own circles. But here's the problem with worldly legacies. They don't live on, not as significantly as we had hoped. Because people move on. People forget. People have other things in their field of vision and they, they just lose sight of someone who lived a life. But that dash also represents another legacy, a legacy that's going to echo into eternity. And that's the legacy that's really important because that legacy lives on and 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 on into eternity. And it'll never be forgotten. It'll always be brought up. It'll always either be glorified or be haunting to the one who lived it. For the rest of eternity, consider that. So right now, every single one of us are, are working on that legacy. We're building that legacy, and that legacy has two options. Verity, truth, or vanity, worthlessness. And there's nothing in between. Every single person upon the earth is building one of those two legacies. One that's truth and one that's worthlessness. And King Solomon, as much as he taught us in Ecclesiastes and the Song of Songs and Proverbs, his lifestyle actually teaches us something much more 
of what it looks like, what it means to neglect verity for the sake of vanity. Because that group of people is more complex and more tragic than the group of people that simply don't know better. They don't know there's a God. They don't know there's forgiveness. They don't know the name of Jesus. They don't know the gospel. They don't know what truth looks like. So they walk in darkness because they simply have never seen light. That is tragic. And those people need to hear the gospel. And if the gospel doesn't get to that group of people, that's going to be tragic. But the other group of people is more tragic because it's always more tragic to know what to do and then not do it. To know what is right and then not live for it. And King Solomon I wish his story was different. I wish what he was able to write as a, as a lifestyle that he lived after he has this light bulb go on in his head going, man, I chased women, I chased education, I chased success, I chased money, I chased wisdom, I chased all these things. They just kept leaving me wanting. And then I came to the right conclusion. It's Christ. It's God. It's his commandments. It's fearing God. And once I understood that, I got on that train and I left, never left that train. But that's not what happened with King Solomon. He split an entire nation. He couldn't give up his idols. He couldn't give up his women. He couldn't get off this, the path of vanity for the, for the path of verity. And so here we are. Let's fast forward to modern day Christians. Modern day Christians like myself, okay? Because I could be a representation of Solomon if I'm not careful. I know better. And I'm in a position of leadership to help other people know better, to represent truth, to teach truth to other people. And therefore, my case, if it's not following Christ, is going to be one of the most tragic stories ever as well, because I can't claim ignorance on the last day. I will have to say I neglected verity for the sake of vanity. But fast forwarding to us today, you know, 21st century Christians, we're the second group of people. We're the people who know better. We're the people who have the gospel. We're the people that have heard of the name of Jesus. We're the people that do know the God of forgiveness and love and mercy. We have heard truth ever since we were young, ever since we've been in the Christian path. We know what truth like is, looks like and we know how to live in it. But the question is, is what would that dash represent at the last part of our life? What would represent a, a legacy similar to Solomon's? That we neglected truth for the sake of worthless things? Or will it represent walking in that truth? You see, Jesus came to this earth, and the reason he did that is so that we didn't have to live in darkness any longer. We didn't have to guess at what truth was. We didn't have to continue to stumble around in the darkness. You know, he, can, he called us like sheep without a shepherd. We're just bumping along. We're falling off cliffs. We're wandering into the wolves' den because we don't know any better. And Jesus goes, man, if I don't go down there and shepherd them, they're all going to die permanently, eternally. So he came down, he taught us, he shepherded us, he gave up his life for us, he resurrected for us. So we have the hope of eternal life with him if we simply follow him. But I love one of the quotes of C.S. Lewis, and I probably should have looked up this quote so I could speak it verbatim. But C.S. Lewis basically said something like this, referring to the life of Jesus Christ, simply using logic. He basically said this about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ did not allow us to say of him that he was a good teacher or a moral man or just a prominent historical figure. Because what came out of Jesus' mouth was that he was the Son of God that came from heaven, the Messiah, the Christ, the Lamb of God, and he came to save the world. That's what Jesus said about himself. And C.S. Lewis says, therefore, we only have two options with Jesus. The options we have are to bow to him, to follow him, to give our entire lives to him in submission because he is the Lord of the universe. He is the son of God. He is the way, the truth, and the life. 
And therefore, we need to follow behind him with everything we have. Or the other option is to simply call him out as crazy. To call him a lunatic, to call him a madman, and to say, I want nothing to do with that man whatsoever. Now, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We know that. He proved it with his works. He proved it with his lifestyle. He proved it with the authority that he had from heaven. He proved it by raising from the dead. And there's countless people who would have said that. 500 people in a row could have been brought to a courtroom and said, I saw Jesus alive three days after he was dead. 500 people in a row. That is a powerful testimony. But the problem today is we have a lot of people that they're saying they're Christians. They're saying that Jesus is their savior. They're saying they know truth. But unfortunately, they're not lining up behind Jesus with their everything, with their all. They're basically saying, yes, he is the son of God. He is the lamb of God. He is the way, the truth, and the life. I know it to be true. I would attest to it right now. But I am living for other things. I want this out of life. I want this out of life. I want to get this. I want to gain this. And then I want to go to heaven. C.S. Lewis would, be, would look at us and say, guys, that's not an option. Jesus did not leave that as an option. The things that came out of Jesus' mouth was Jesus drawing a distinct line between I am the Son of God or I am not the Son of God and you should have nothing to do with me. The people that are in the middle going, well, he's, yeah, he's, he's a good guy, he's a moral teacher. No, he's not. He's either the Son of God or he's a madman. That's basically what C.S. Lewis said. But here we are, we're trying to mock God, many of us today, by saying, I believe in Jesus, I love Jesus, Jesus is my Savior, but we're not giving him our all. And it doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense any way you slice it. Just like the life of King Solomon doesn't make any sense the way you slice it, any way you slice it. And that the plea today for all of us is to take King Solomon's example and to live differently. Because King Solomon was wise, in a sense. He was smart and educated in a sense. But honestly, he may have been one of the biggest fools that ever lived. Because King Solomon rep represents sort of a tale that only a few people in the scriptures represent. And the other one that would be glaring would be Judas. The one who actually be betrayed Jesus in the garden by kissing him on the cheek. And, Jesus, and Judas had walked with the Lord Jesus for three years in ministry, saw the truth, knew the truth, understood what Jesus said, said he believed it, said he loved Jesus, and then in the garden he gave him up and betrayed him. Honestly, King Solomon might be that tragic of a character because he knew what was right. He said it at the end of Ecclesiastes, the whole duty of man is to fear God and keep his commandments. But you didn't do that, King Solomon. And his lifestyle is teaching us. Look at, listen to the last verse. He says, For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Solomon, I hate to say it, but those words are going to come back to haunt you. You knew that to be true. You knew there was a judgment day. You knew God un unravels the secret things, un reveals the secret things and brings them into the light and says, let's judge these things and figure out, did this person live according to the truth that they knew? And King Solomon, as much as I understand about his life, he will represent vanity. After all that he says in Ecclesiastes about the foolishness of chasing after vanity, he himself lived for it. And right now, every single one of us is working on that dash. And that dash is going to represent something. It's going to represent a legacy. A legacy that lives on the earth to some regard 
but that's not the most important legacy. It's going to be represent a legacy that lives on to eternity. What did we do with our life? If Jesus is truth, we have to line up behind him. We have to give him our all. We have to follow him to the ends of the earth, no matter what, because he's the son of God. He's the author of truth. He came from heaven. He rose from the dead. He is seated right now in the right hand of the father. That's what scripture says about Jesus. That's what he said about himself. And if it's true and we follow him and it's right, then we're in incredibly good shape. But then there's two groups on the other side, a group that doesn't know that and they're walking in darkness because they're ignorant. But there's a much more tragic group, a group that says, I do believe that about Jesus Christ, but my life doesn't prove it. My life doesn't match what I say to be authentic. Now we're in the category of King Solomon. If that's the reality of our legacy on the last day, we knew Verity, but we neglected it for the sake of vanity. That is going to be such a tragic legacy that's going to, unfortunately, echo for the rest of eternity and will haunt us. Just like these words, King Solomon said at the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, are going to haunt him. And it's nothing I really want to say, but it's something I feel like I need to say because I, I'm almost speaking to myself at age 25 because that's where I was. I knew the truth. I had understood the name of Jesus. I understood why he came to this earth. I said he was my savior. I said he was the Lord. I said he's the way, the truth, and the life. But I didn't believe it with my life. I wasn't building that legacy with my dash. I was living contrary to truth. I was living for vanity. And it would have been very perplexing to God. And honestly, even worse, it would have been an attempt at trying to mock God by saying, God, I loved you. I believed in you. Jesus was my Savior and my Lord, and he looks at my life and says, Todd, how can that be? How can that be? Your lifestyle completely is contrary to the truth. How can it be that Jesus is your Savior and your Lord while you're chasing after vanity? It cannot be. In fact, now you're in the worst category of people. You're like Solomon and you're like Judas. You knew better and you neglected it anyways. Guys, as a pastor and a person who's messed up for a long time in my life, the poster boy for someone that knew truth and walked contrary to that truth, I'm pleading with you today, do not neglect verity for the sake of vanity. Let King Solomon, let my testimony be a solemn reminder of what it looks like when someone does that. And... Let us remember the mercy, forgiveness, and grace of God, because if that's the reality today, we don't have to let that be our legacy. We can get off that boat right now. We can get on a different path. We could follow Jesus Christ with our all. We could surrender all, and we could say, for the rest of my life, I'm going to strive after verity, after truth, after Jesus, because he is the Lord. He is the Savior. I'm going to give my life to him, and I'm not going to ever be talked out of it, and I'm not going to ever be drawn back to the vain things of life. I'm going to need help from God. But that is my plea with you today, is to line up behind Jesus Christ and say, he is the Lord, he is my Savior, and he has my all. And to change that dash if it needs to be changed, or cement that dash by going on in the truth of Jesus Christ. Because that dash is going to echo into eternity, just like King Solomon's will. And I hope that's an encouragement to you. I hope it's a, an, um, excuse me, an exhortation to you to move forward in truth and do not be lured away by the vain things of life, especially when you know better. 
Strive after truth, strive after God's wisdom, and listen and learn from Jesus, and do everything, everything possible to follow verity and not vanity. Many blessings. Thanks for listening to the Wyoming Valley Church Podcast. Join us for worship Sunday mornings beginning at 1030. We're located in the Dolphin Plaza on Highway 315 in Wilkesbury. Learn more about us at wyomingvalleychurch.org. Wyoming Valley Church, a place where all are welcome.